Finally, we have good news from Arizona. One of their youngest players finally signed his entry-level contract, and they also re-signed one of their younger forwards on a two-year bridge deal. Lovely. Fascinating stuff. I hate to be in Boston right now, though, because uh, they uh, had their Alfie moment where the face of their franchise, at least the modern-day franchise, has called it a career, and we will honor him accordingly. Meanwhile, in Ottawa... A guy who is not retired and can still score goals signed a one-year deal, which is fun. And in Carolina, they didn't need an offer sheet to extend him this time. Sebastian Ajo locked up. Episode 375 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Zuboff. Quick disclaimer before uh, we uh, get on the roll here. Uh, live newsroom setting once again, so if you hear background noises, it's live newsroom. Yep. Uh, secondly, uh, after this episode, me and Brett are going to take some well-deserved time off for a couple weeks. Um, I will be um, having some quality family time. Um, Brett will be uh, doing the same. And yep. uh, in late August, uh, we will reconvene. August the 27th is what I marked down. Might be a bit later, might be a bit sooner around that time. And probably a bunch of stuff is going to happen while we're away because uh, hardly anything has happened uh, in the past couple of weeks. However, one thing that did happen, Brett, is Sebastian Ajo slated to hit the open market next offseason will no longer as he gets paid by the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, um, I, we also should say that we're trying different things out right now. Um, so yep. the biggest change right now in terms of our lineup is uh, we're going to start doing the main topic at, at the front of the show. Um, and then we'll, we're bringing back the rapid fire, which is kind of exciting. Um, but um, we're going to have like a 15-minute timer uh, so, As a rapid fire would be, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when we did a rapid fire. Sometimes the rapid fire it wasn't would go, rapid. No, yeah, yeah. I'll be the first to admit that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the rapid fire would be longer than the actual main topic. So <laughs> uh, this is a way to ensure that we are talking about everything. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, we're we're going to start off with Sebastian Ajo. He signs a uh, a huge deal. I mean, I, I think when uh, when we did the Carolina obituary, kind of like um, mentioned this that this was like the t- top of mind for Don Waddell, um, the GM of Carolina. Is, uh, this was something that they needed to get done. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a nine point seven five million deal worth uh, for eight more years. Um, after this one, he's currently uh, worth eight point four six million. Um, yeah, so so this is uh, of course uh, it makes sense. I feel like it's a little bit undervalued because I was thinking maybe he gets like ten million at the very least. But of course, like you know, I'm just like I like punching through through thra- straws when it's like nine point seven five million instead. Uh, but yeah, Aho had um, sixty seven points in seventy five games. 
uh, last year. Um, he also had some sulky votes, it says here on, on Hockey References, so that's kind of interesting. I guess that makes sense when he had a 51.4 uh, face-off percentage. Um, so that that's pretty good, of course. Um, but yeah, it's uh, in terms of the, the Carolina's cap situation, uh, they do have Tavo Teravainen, uh, Jordan Martinuk, uh, Brandon Lemieux, which I didn't realize signed with Carolina, Steven Newsom, uh, Neeson, uh, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Anthony D'Angelo, which we'll get into in a um, <laughs> future topic, uh, Jalen Chatfield, and Antti Ranta, all as UFAs uh, this coming year. So um, there's a lot of changeover here, but um, but yeah, of course this makes sense as the right move. Uh, Sebastian Ajo has been the, the face of the franchise for the last couple of years. Um, and um, and yeah, it makes sense. I still feel like he's not, like, because we've talked about this before, that like Carolina does lack that like true, like, dangerous weapon and yes Sebastian Ajo is good in his own right but I feel like he doesn't have that extra skill set yet just to like get to that level of course like you're you know he is uh he's always a threat to score but um but I don't know if he's at that point just yet but um but yeah of course he's you know he's still at the same time he's like 26 years old he's near he's around his prime right now um, and yeah, he's, it looks like he's going to be a hurricane for the rest of his career. So, um, so yeah, good on him. Yeah, taking a look at um, Sebastian Ajo, as um, most face of the franchises get, he's got a no-move clause for pretty much the entirety of this deal uh, until the final year where he has a 15-team no-trade list, which is just under half the league uh, that he can't be traded to or um, at least... Uh, they need his approval for that. But that's not until the 2031-32 season where that kicks in. So um, basically uh, a no move across the board for the first seven years. Um, not that that's going to be a problem unless the hurricane starts sucking for some reason. Um, for the most part, um, we're looking at double-digit figures. Uh, $12 million the first two years as well as year four. Uh, 10 million in 2028-29, which is year five of that deal. Uh, year three is 9 million, and then it slowly goes down. The lowest it's going to be is 7.2 uh, in each of the final two seasons there. So just a bit of a financial breakdown for there. Um, in terms of what he brings to the table offensively, he's a guy that's surefire to get 200 shots um, per season. Um, if you look at his shooting percentage, uh, and this is very important, um, Carolina is a place that isn't like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And by that, I mean they rely on scoring depth to get results, not just a top six. And I think when you look at the credibility of Sebastian Ajo and what he provides, He's an Austin Matthews light in the sense that he's not expected to carry the team every night offensively. Um, he's not relied on to score two goals and one assist every single game um, and produce at that pace. He plays good two-way hockey. He chimes in with the timely goals and the timely points, as you would expect. Um, but he's not 
at that caliber where he's averaging 100 points a season like a guy like Mitch Marner is. Mm. Um, but that's because he doesn't have to because they have guys like Tebo Terabainen around him. They have Andrei Sveshnikov who scores lacrosse-style goals and is a real sharpshooter. Um, they just got Michael Bunting as well who can score his fair share too. Um Martin so Nikesh. if you get uh, Marty Natchez as well, yep. shoot, he had a breakout season. I forgot. You also have Seth Jarvis in the mix yep. as well, yeah, and uh, Stefan Nason, who emerged as a solid yep. uh, bottom six threat this year too. And like uh, you didn't even mention, like I, I know he had a down year last year, but Tavo Teravine, and he's usually pretty good, but not this past year. So that's yeah, this past year was rough, yep. but for the most part, he's had a track yep. record of. Being a solid secondary player, like the he's the William Nealander of this team, sure. I would say. Um, so when you look at Sebastian Ajo, eighteen to nineteen minutes for sure in all situations per night. Uh, power play times around two thirty to three minutes. That's good. Uh, he gets in like a thousand faceoffs a year. Maybe he can uh, amp that up uh, as. Jordan Stahl, I would say, remains the captain, but maybe takes a bit of a backseat in terms of the number of faceoffs that he takes. And I think um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Aho handles the increased workload. Uh, he had 13 power play goals uh, in 21-22, uh, seven last year, but that just goes to show you again on special teams what he can provide. And he's only 26 years old, let's not forget. And... Um, well, uh, yeah, he just turned 26, actually. So heading into next year, for the entirety of the season, he'll be 26. Um, and then there's also the shooting percentage uh, that I alluded to. Um, in 2019-20, was 18.4, then 16.2, then 16.7. And last year was 16.5. So if you're in that 16 to 18% range, uh, I don't care how many shots you're taking. That's pretty efficient scoring right there. Um and it, um, I think it really was important for this deal to get done before the start of the next offseason. It's a sign from the franchise that they're committed to the key pieces of this team for the long term. They're not, they're not waiting for you know the next team uh, to force their hands. Looking at you, Montreal Canadiens, um, they're they're taking matters into their own hands. They're extending them long term. Uh, they're looking at him as the present and the future of this franchise. And I think uh, heading into this season, it would have been such a gut punch if something would have happened and they lost him somehow um, because I think the future of this team heavily relies on Sebastian Ajo. That's no secret there. And um, as we start uh, to get into <coughs> the next phase of Carolina Hurricanes hockey, as they start to decide... Okay, who are we going to keep? Who can we afford to ditch? Um, who's the all-in piece that we go out for? Uh, the one constant is going to be Sebastian Ajo, and now that's signed, sealed, and delivered. He is under contract for this year plus the next eight, and that's huge. Yeah, I I mean, I guess it. Yeah, that is a good point in terms of, like, because like, Carolina still, like, yeah, it, it does have a lot of fans, of course, but it's... Um, it's never been like you know. It's still like not a, like a hockey hotbed per se. So like you, st- yeah. it's still struggling. And of course, like 
they've had recent success, but it's still tough to get free agents there. A lot of these yep. players that on their team are either drafted by them or traded uh, for them, um, as opposed to just like a free agent stuff. So, um, so yeah, that like which is more of a sign of like. Oh, like it took them a lot longer. I guess Michael Bunting did sign here, and uh, TDA signed with them again. So, so maybe there is. Maybe I'm just wrong about that. And Dmitry Orlov is another one. But, but yeah, I guess I guess it's um, maybe that is changing. But there, there, it does say something where it's like even though they did have a cup in their future with Eric Stahl. Um, there is something to the fact of like, oh, they they're signing their their guys mainstays for long term because it's like it would be weird if uh, if the Hurricanes didn't sign Special Aho long term. Like he is, and, like, and for you know, future uh, free agency yeah. years as they're trying to build right. up their team, that's important as well. Yep. to have that mainstay of the franchise that isn't oh, yeah, going yeah. anywhere, and it's like, man, I'd love to play on the same line as that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. So, so in terms of our questions that we have here, um, is this a good deal? Um, yeah, like I was saying, I thought like he would he's like worth at least ten million because he's been like a top twenty five player for the last yeah to shed on uh, shed under what Barkov's getting right exactly. now. Exactly, but at the same time, it's like you know, like he gets a lot of term, and um, who knows what the cap situation is going to be. So. There's a chance that this could be a bargain when the cap does eventually go up, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I think it's you know it, like just getting him for eight years at nine point seven five. Yeah, this this could end up being a very very good deal. Um, of course, like long term, like you know towards the end of this contract, Aho won't be as good as he once was. But um, at the same time, you kind of just take. Uh, what you can get because like yeah you would take all of Sebastian Ajo's prime even if he does tend to uh, degrade in, in skill level towards the end of that contract so um, so yeah of course it'll end up being worth it um, assuming that he you know he continues this pace and all that um, yeah I, I guess um, it, like I would assume you also feel the same way that this is a good deal yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. definitely think it is going to be a bargain as we get into yeah. like the year two, year three phase, where you start to see guys like Austin Matthews getting the type yeah. of money that they could get, and guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle and Jack Eichel. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing is what I'm interested to see is uh, the fact that the Hurricanes were able to do that before Austin Matthews got paid. Yeah. You look at the type of contracts that could be handed out within the next couple of off seasons. Obviously. There's McDavid and Dreisaitl and uh, and Eichel, but there's also, um, well, I guess yeah, I wouldn't put Miko Ranson in, in that umbrella because he's primarily a right winger, but I believe yeah. he does have experience at center. Um, so he's not that good of an example. But as I mentioned, no, yeah, Austin yeah. Matthews, next year he's going to get paid, um, whether it's through the Leafs or on the open market. You also have Elias Peterson, who's a restricted free agent. He's had a huge season that he's coming off of and uh, projected to have another big year as well. Uh, you have a low-key, under-the-radar guy in Chandler Stevenson who's had some good years with the Vegas Golden Knights. You have Elias Lindholm, who's regarded as one of those underrated two-way centers, except he's in the Western Conference right now. 
and oddly enough, uh, once played for the Carolina Hurricanes yep. um, and was highly regarded. Uh, he was a top five pick for them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you also look at, um, you know, guys like Mark Shifley as well. That they're, uh, he's going to be a UFA after this after this season too. And uh, the market could have been driven up for Ajo's value right then and there, depending on what some of those other guys could have gotten. And now the Hurricanes beat him to the punch, and they get him locked up uh, at this at this rate anyway. Hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see. I doubt this signing impacts um, the crowd of uh, top tier centers in the upcoming uh, free agency class, whether it's RFAs or UFAs. Um, but I definitely think that Ajo's value could have gone up by a couple hundred thousand at least um, based on, you know, if a big name player would have signed first. And that fortunately for the Hurricanes did not happen and they were able to get this done when they did. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, I don't know if Cap, Cap Friendly has this new feature now. I don't know if this was uh, recently or not, but... Um, they, um, they have this, uh, like they, they tell you an acquired method summary and they have like the percentages of what part of the team was drafted, what part was signed, what part was traded and what part was offer sheeted. It was midway through this year or last year when that was introduced. It's been around for a while, but I found that as a pretty handy, useful tool. So, so I do take this all back because I did say that, oh, a lot of their, their team was. Uh, either traded for or drafted, and that's not true, uh, because uh, so they have seven. So this is, I guess, this is of their current roster. Seven were drafted, eleven were signed, five were traded, um, or that they got through trade, and um, one was offer sheeted, which of course that's Kaj Kudniemi. Um, so, so that's um, so that means that like they've signed eleven free agents. Um, of the of their main roster right now, so I, I guess I take that back. Um, in terms of long term for the Carolina Hurricanes, because this is what we're asking, what does this mean for the Hurricanes long term? Um, yeah, because I, I I guess like Sveshnikov, as we were mentioning, like Sebastian Aho, like yeah, he he's one that you should be scared of when you're playing the Hurricanes, but uh, they they should also like you know. Andrei Sveshnikov actually has that ability and potential to be um, to be that guy as well, um, and he's he's locked up long term as well uh, at seven point seven five million, which for a few more years after that. Um, but uh, and I had like forgotten that he. Um, I mean, this past year Sveshnikov had fifty five points in sixty four games. So that's pretty good. Uh, so, you know, when you add Sebastian Ajo, when you add Sveshnikov, Martin Mikesh, who had 71 points in 82 games, that's pretty good. Uh, Seth Jarvis is also um, decent. Um, so I do wonder, in terms of long-term, um, what they're going to do, because you have to hope that Tevo Teravainen is, uh, can bounce back this season, but if he doesn't, then he's a UFA next year, and you don't really have to worry about him. Um, and also, like he's 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 28 right now, um, so he's on the like last half of his career in that sense. Um, and so maybe they do start to trade him out there. 
Um, they have Michael Bunting. They have Kodka Niemi. We'll see how that works. But Kodka Niemi didn't have a great uh, first rookie year, uh, first season with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so that a lot of that's going to depend on how good Kodka Niemi can be. Um, and then they do have Martin Nikash um, as an RFA this next year. Same with Seth Jarvis. Those should mm-hmm. be their big priorities for next offseason uh, now yep. that they don't have to worry about Sebastian Ajo. Um, however, currently, they don't have any cap space left. Um, and a lot of that is because they did sign Dmitry Orlov. That is because they did sign Michael Bunting um, uh, for uh, like more than two years, or exactly two years for Orlov's case. So... Um, so yeah, they 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 have like they do have a, a lot of free agents. Uh, let's see here. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They have eleven players signed for next year, um, and they have a yeah. uh, like yeah, and they have I guess one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, uh, thirteen free agents. Uh, to sign next year, um, although like a couple, like they have like eight defensemen uh, according to Cap Friendly, so <laughs> I would assume not all of them will be able to be held um, throughout the year. But um, all that to say is that yeah, they'll have some work to go through. But I I think Don Waddell has earned that trust where he knows what he's doing. But um, but yeah, they they still have like a f- decent amount of free agents next year where it's like okay, they can. They can afford to um, to sign Nikesh and Jarvis for long term. Yeah, and I, I think um, it's interesting uh, how the top tier guys are opening up offense uh, for those players. Um, as we mentioned, Marty Nichess and the in the yep. breakout season that he had, and what Seth Jarvis could become as well. I think just um, the pure skill that Sveshnikov provides. Like people forget, Sebastian Ajo can can rip the biscuit. Like he had a career high fifty three assists in eighteen nineteen, but he's also a four time thirty goal scorer. A couple of times he's hovered around forty, and there was one time where he had twenty nine yeah. goals, and that was his second season. So you you put a guy like Sveshnikov out there, for example, and you're you're focused on what he might do with the puck and then you forget oh yeah sebastian Aho also has a good shot yeah, yeah. but also marty natchez does and he can also set up people so um again that's that's where a balanced attack can cause problems even a guy like stefan nason he was getting power play ice time like bottom six forwards typically don't get that ice time and um, and, you know, they trusted in his upside. They gave him chances to excel on special teams, and at times he did his part. So, again, that just goes to show you the trust in your staff, um, both in the front office and on the coaching department. And might I add, the secret weapon is Eric Tulski behind the scenes. He's, um, he's, he's it's, it's a, like a Brandon Pridham, Kyle Dubas thing where Kyle Dubas calls the shots, but Brandon Pridham is that guy yeah. behind the scenes that makes everything run smoothly. And people maybe to an extent uh, take for granted a little bit when you look at uh, you know the wide range of success that your team is having. Yeah. So uh, the fact that the Hurricanes are having this amount of success right now <laughs> in just about every facet of the game 
uh, it's a great sign for their fan base. And like I said, keeping the fan base involved is another reason why it was important to get this deal signed because we haven't really seen a happy ending for the franchise face. Like Eric Stahl in uh, the later stages of his prime got traded away. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Skinner in before he was uh, scheduled to become a free agent for the first time in his career, he was traded to Buffalo on after being on some underwhelming Hurricanes teams. Um, they didn't really win anything with Cam Ward besides 2006. Um, basically, the franchise guy that um, a Eric lot of people Stolten. have that I would classify had a happy ending was Rod Brindamore and yep. he played more years in St. Louis and Philadelphia I would say before um, he made a significant impact I mean, with the Hurricanes yeah in a weird way you could say like the Stahl brothers because it's like Eric Stahl started his career in Carolina he yeah. won a cup there and then eventually they ended up getting Jordan Stahl who's been a, a nice little fixture there in Carolina yeah. as well so the Stahl brothers is kind of like, uh, I feel like those are, they're synonymous um, in Carolina, even though like Eric Stahl has been like now a bit of a journeyman um, towards the end of his career. But I, I always associate Eric Stahl with Carolina as well. Um, yeah. The funny thing about Jordan is that he also won a cup, but that was with yeah, Pittsburgh before right. he went there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Um, if only like Mark Stahl all of a sudden joins the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> or Jared Stahl. Oh, no, I think Jared Stahl did play in Carolina. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I think he did, actually. Yeah, I remember there was, like, I think it was, like, one of, like, uh, there was a point when Eric Jordan and uh, Jared Stahl played the same, in the same, on the same team at one point because it was, like, Eric's last year on, in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like that, but I do remember that where like uh, they made it so that all three of the Stahl brothers could play, um, even though man, like, every single NHL player that I remember coming from North uh, from not North Bay, that's another place in Ontario, but Thunder Bay, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, you have the Stahl brothers, you have Matt Murray, yeah. like all of them had NHL success pretty early in their careers. Yeah, yeah even like Mark Stahl, even though he's never played in Carolina, he's always been that. Person. Yeah, he was he yeah. was you know a stable defender on a lot of good Rangers teams. Yeah. That's not nothing at all. Yeah, I'm sure um, it'll be fun. Like you know, just going to a, another line of siblings here, where it'll be fun to see uh, New Jersey play uh, Vancouver. Now that uh, Luke Hughes, it looks like he's going to be. Uh, yeah, I think the Hughes thing. family is is this generation stall family, yeah. where just every single yeah. member of their family makes the NHL and is good. Like <laughs> not just good, but like superstar good. Well, I mean, I get, yeah, that's true. Although, like, there are the, uh, the Kachucks, of course. Those are like two superstars. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's a chance that there's going to be three Hughes that are really good. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and then, like the Robertson, I know Nicholas Robertson hasn't been as good as he was hyped to be, but I guess there's still a chance that Nicholas Robertson could be something. Yeah. Um, which is funny because he was hyped more than Jason has, and Jason. Yeah, that is true. He yep. was. Um, anyways, um, now we'll do the rapid fire, which is going to be kind of a fun thing that I'm looking forward to. Uh, so I have eight items here of things that we're going to talk about. However, I I doubt we're going to get to all of them. 
Um, so I kind of just ordered them in terms of like stuff that I know that we should get to um, in terms of like importance. Um, if we don't get to them, then we'll probably either cover them next week or we'll just be like, you know what? It's not important. Let's uh, let's not talk about that. We'll forever. save for the season previews. Or yeah, we can do that too. Um, but um, but yeah. So so this will be fun, especially because um, both the first two topics involves one of our teams here. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, I'm starting the timer right now. Um, Tarasenko, um, who was like. I actually didn't realize this, but he ended up having a pretty decent season. I thought he wasn't doing so hot, but he actually had a pretty good season um, this past year. Uh, yeah, he had 50 points in 69 games, uh, 29 in St. Uh, Louis in 38 games uh, for them. And I thought like he kind of dwindled down in the for the Rangers, but I think that was mostly just because like I figured, like oh, once they get Patrick Kane, that's going to be the guy that they focus on. And then, but yeah, Tarasenko still had 21 points in 31 games for the Rangers. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's not bad, of course. Um, but yeah, he signs a $5 million deal uh, for one year uh, for uh, in Ottawa, of all places. Um, I'm kidding, of course. But, um, but yeah, it's like, um, it's a good um, perspective in terms of like, okay, Ottawa loses out on Debrinkat or they trade him away. Uh, last, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, and now they get Tarasenko for a rental, pretty much. Um, I mean, I'm sure they could be able to afford him uh, next year if he if he turns out well. But um, but yeah, it, it seems like he's going to be like a different cat replacement. Um, and yeah, th- I really like this deal for for Ottawa. Um, I think this could be something that will work out well for for them. I like it even more because it's only for one year. Yeah. If it was for multiple years, yeah. I'd be less excited about it because, like you said, it's a guy in his 30s, uh, shoulder issues as well. Um, and uh, in, in terms of Lamar Tarasenko standards, he's had a couple of up and down seasons now to the point where I'm not really sure what kind of player yeah. we're getting. It could be, you know, Classic Vladimir Tarasenko. He gets 40-plus goals. That would be nice because he's only done it once in his career. But he's scored 30-plus goals six times. Like, that's very impressive for an NHL sniper of his caliber. Or you could get the next Evgeny Dadanov that had a couple of great seasons, but then um, everything falls off and goes downhill. Um, So, at the very least, on a one-year deal, you don't risk that. Also, a little bit of an anecdote. I believe this was years, years ago. This is Tarasenko's draft here. The Sens traded a pick to the St. Louis Blues for uh, defenseman David Runblad. He was a defensive prospect at the time. There was a fair bit of yep. hype. And then later, uh, David Runblad was packaged uh, to Arizona so the Sens could get Kyle Turris. But that original pick they gave to St. Louis um, to get David Runblad turned out to be Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh, wow. I didn't know and that. now the circle of life is complete because Tarasenko signs uh, with the yeah. Ottawa Senators. So a little bit of a, a fun factoid for you. Um, I, and as I, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I think scoring efficiency was the problem for Ottawa. They had a lot of missed shots. Yep. Uh, Batherson in particular, uh, Debrinket as well, uh, Kachuk to a lesser extent. If they're able to improve on scoring efficiency, 
you get a guy like Tarasenko. You already have guys like Shane Pinto in the mix. Uh, on top of the other guys that I mentioned, um, the Sens can improve on their offense just by being more efficient in terms of how they shoot and from where. I thought you were going to mention the fact that Brady Kachuk had mentioned that uh, he grew up as a St. Louis Blues fan. So, like, they yep. they, they, sh- they showed up or these, like, tweets resurfaced where Brady Kachuk was, like, rooting for Vlad Tarasenko as a Blues fan. So, <laughs> I don't know. Those are kind of, like, cool stories. I feel like there's other examples, uh, like DeBrincat now going to Detroit, going to his childhood team. It's kind of, like, it's kind of cool just to, like, play with your idol or whatever. Um and then, yes, uh, so now uh, we're talking about Patrice Bergeron. Uh, he retires officially. Um, because I'm a Bruins fan, I had pretty much had mentioned this throughout for the last couple of months that, like, it seemed very likely that Patrice Bergeron was going to retire. Um, and, uh, like, Don, in, in fact, I think I mentioned this, that Don Sweeney had had said that they were going to, like, they, he, uh, he assumed that Bergeron and Krejci, uh, which I assume Krejci will eventually announce his retirement sometime this month, um, that, like, he assumed, he made all the offseason moves assuming that Bergeron and Krejci uh, were not going to be a part of the team. Um, and so it wasn't as much of a shock uh, this, this time, but honestly, like, when it actually, when I heard the news, I was like, oh God, like, oh, this is actually happening. Cause it's like all last year you were, you were like, there was, uh, you know, those rumors that Bergeron was going to retire. And that was like, that was pretty much why a lot of fans were low on, on the Bruins in the first place, because like it didn't take him, to, uh, I think it like took him till the like late August or even like early September to sign with the Bruins. Um, so like a lot of people were assuming the Bruins were going to retire, but then he signs this like late heart, uh, last, um, you know, last minute deal almost, and he signs for them for one for one million, which of course is a bargain. Um, and and then that's when like the Bruins were like, you know what? This is our last dance moment. We're gonna get Tyler Bertuzzi. We're gonna get Dmitry Orlov. We're gonna sell off all the picks that we have, and they probably would have wasted all those picks anyways, um, just so <laughs> that they can get into the playoffs and win the cup. And you know, it turns out that what's what's incredible here is that um, he had an incredible last season. Winning the he won the Selkie, no doubter there. Um, yeah. And then um, only one person left him off the ballot. Um, <laughs> and then uh, like the fact that he had like a sixty one point one faceoff percentage this past year with fifty eight points. Um, yeah, this was someone who like you know it's it kind of like I guess I'm all over the place here, but um, basically it's just like it hit me because it's like. I've, I watched the Bruins like that when I first became a Bruins fan was the uh, was like around the first lockout um, and that's when Bergeron was a rookie there and it kind of just hit me that like oh god like he was I, on the old five mega world yeah. junior team that couldn't lose with yeah. Canada like he had yeah. Crosby and Perry and all those guys yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it just hit me that like oh god like I've watched this guy for 20 straight years or almost mm-hmm. 20 straight years, I guess. He, he played 19 years. But it's just, like, 
it's just a crazy thing that's like oh I guess like a part of me has died where I'm like oh I'm not like it's gonna be really really weird watching Bruins games now I feel like like yeah there were moments when he was injured he had some concussion history um, early on where we weren't sure if he was ever gonna be the same um, but then it turns out like oh yeah like a 79 point season in 2018 2019. And like a 65 point season in 2021, 2022, um, you know, even like 58 points isn't that bad either. It's like he's in, he's been, like he's only gotten better. Um, he did have a mm-hmm. 73 points in 81 games um, in his second year in the league. Um, but like during this, like because what's funny is is that like I gushed over Bergeron last episode, so I don't want to. And, and we've gushed over Bergeron for the entirety of of this podcast existence. So I don't, like no. we all we all love Bergeron, but I do want to point to two things that I wanted to mention um, that I kind of had forgotten about or didn't even know until um, it was um, until I saw this was that um, so this was when uh, I was just reading some Reddit threads. Um, and like a Bruins fan was mentioning like um, I'll just I'll just read the first part of this here um, that I kind of didn't even know but um, words can't even express what this man has done for Boston he was thrown into a country where he barely spoke the language worked his ass off um, as a second round pick to crack the roster in his first season dealt with some of the most horrific early career concussion issues in the league um, has ever seen Overcome some of the most brutal postseason injuries, uh, wore an A for a decade and never once made a fuss about it, signed team-friendly deals his entire career to help his team compete, captained an original six franchise, and most importantly broke a 30-plus year drought to help bring home the Stanley Cup. Um, Yeah, so no one will ever wear uh, 37 again in black and gold. Um, I'm pretty sure of it, of course. Like... I, yeah. the, the Bruins are playing this is their centennial season I would assume they're going to retire his number this season um, yeah but I also realized that Chara hasn't had his number retired yet which is kind of strange in a way but maybe do it both same year yeah maybe they do it that and if Krejci retires this year as well maybe they like and Tuka yeah get, and, get, get all oh four. yeah that would be great too Although I don't, I guess I would put Tuca in there. But yeah, that would be crazy if they had like four (laughs) number retirements um, in one season. I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, but yeah, a a lot has been said. The other factoids that I wanted to say was uh, this is from Jay Fresh, who's like very into hockey analytics. But uh, but yeah, he was saying that from 2011 to uh, to the 2022-23 season. So that's a span of 12 seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1,941 Selkie Trophy ballots were submitted. Uh, 1,785 of them included Patrice Bergeron. That is 92%. And even crazier, 937 of them had Bergeron in first place. That's 48%. Yeah. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> so, um, and you know, there were def- we we've devoted episodes to the fact of like there was one uh, Mark Lazarus who was saying that like he deliberately, um, like didn't put Bergeron in a Selkie uh, trophy conversation just be or on his ballot because there are other two way centers, and 
like that's like admitting that like like uh that like I'm just bored of voting in Patrice Bergeron and do you know how good you have to be to like have voters like be bored of voting for you every single Better year than all, basically everyone <laughs> yeah so so like that's how good he was so we're like I, I think that happened to like Nicholas Lindstrom with the Norris stuff so it's like it's incredible yeah there was a se- yeah. there was a seven year stretch where where uh, Lindstrom won six Norris trophies yeah. and he won it three times in a row yep twice in that stretch which is absolutely crazy they're probably going to rename the selkie in his honor and as similar to daniel alfredson i feel like patrice bergeron also uh, entered the picture at a time where like the team was in a state of disarray obviously it was the whole yashin stuff in ottawa and for boston like people forget uh jumbo joe thornton who was considered the face of the franchise before chera arrived got traded in one of the most what the heck are you doing type of nhl deals um at a time where there were there was really no sense trading him and he came in and within a couple of years you know was leading the bruins to relevancy again not easy to do yep um i realize we have two minutes left believe it or not um (laughs) all right let's get the coyotes good news in before we before we spoil it uh they deserve their fun exactly well yeah, speaking of which, because there were reports that, like, when the Arizona deal wasn't going to be made, there were reports that Logan Cooley was going to refuse uh, to sign an entry-level contract. Uh, of course, he has, like, one more year. He had one more year of doing that. But he actually did sign a, an entry-level contract, um, which is huge news um, because it's, like, it shows, like, you know, he's he's going to be an incredible player. Um, like he, like if Adam Fantilli wasn't um, in the NCAA, Logan Cooley would by far be the best uh, college player um, in hockey. Um, I like it seems like people are saying that uh, Logan Cooley might make the pro roster this year off the bat. I'm not so sure about that just yet, but um, but yeah, no, of course this is huge news for for the Coyotes, and you know if you add Dylan Gunther, who is who's pretty good. Um, and then you, we talked about Michelli last week. Um, also, uh, they signed Jack McBain uh, for $1.59 million for two years. It's like, okay, uh, they, they signed Sean Dursey. Um, they have uh, Alex Kerfoot and um, Jason Zucker, who they signed in free agency. So it's like, all of a sudden, like, Arizona has is working with something. If, if uh, Logan Cooley and Dylan Gunther... Canada, especially um, if they if they work out and pan out like they're hyped to be, they're slowly starting to build something, yeah. and that's uh, something that's uh, refreshing when you consider they've done a yeah. lot more tearing down in recent years. Yeah. Uh, now they just need to you know build a new yeah. arena, which right. uh, might seem like the toughest task of them all at the moment. Yep, uh, Ilya Samsonov uh, signs with Toronto for one year worth uh, 3.55 million also on that news matt murray is on ltir yeah uh, so uh so yeah that's that's a decent deal especially since he's going to be a starter there and that's it that's time um, yeah uh one one quick thing uh the leafs had no choice but to let the arbitrator decide that yep. because uh if they had made that decision themselves you can be sure nylander Matthews, Marner are like, okay, so when it's time for us to get paid, uh, we're going to ask for whatever, and we expect you to not hold back 
and give us what we want. Fantastic. Um, all right, that's it. I had, it's funny, I had, like, I was thinking to myself, like, before, like, I'm not going to talk a lot about Bergeron, because we did that last week, and then I ended up talking <laughs> a lot about Bergeron. I, I, I made the, the Tarasenko one short as succinct as possible, yeah. because I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and rightfully so. Like, right, right. he, he, yeah. That this is going to be one of the final times that we're going to be able to talk about Bergeron yeah. constantly because he's not yeah. in the league anymore. Uh, yeah, the only things that I guess we missed were uh, TDA signs and Rocky Wirtz passes. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, so you can follow us at Lace Up Podcast. Um, our face, uh, we don't have a Facebook anymore. Our SoundClouds um, is Lace Them Up. You can follow us on Twitter on. Um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in a couple weeks. Episode 376 of the Lace Month Podcast.